Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I haven't been doing so great, so I took a little break. So a lot of people are saying some things about me that aren't quite true. Doesn't matter if it's true though, just as long as it's entertaining to you. Right? You guys having fun? All aboard the toxic gossip train. Chugging down the tracks of misinformation. The toxic gossip train. You got a one way ticket to manipulation station. Toxic gossip train. to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our pop culture roundup and, and just like that, recap. It is the eve of the 4th of July. If you're in America, we're in a country that decided that we needed significantly less rights than we had just a couple weeks ago, so... Anyway, um, let's get into the pop culture recap or roundup or whatever the hell for the week. I wanted to start off talking about the drama that has been going on, or I guess did go on because the other two is now over. Over at the set, there were some allegations. I don't know. Do you guys watch the other two? It is one of, I feel like you guys constantly, not constantly, but like always ask me, what are the shows that I'm watching that I don't recap? And the other two had to have been one of those shows. I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned it, but I love, love, love that show. Um, But the Hollywood Reporter hit us with a one-two punch that uh, Thursday's finale, season three finale, is actually going to be a series finale. And that there are a lot of wild things going on in that workroom over at the other two, there were allegations that Chris Kelly, who was one of the heads of the show, it's Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider, that basically Chris is there ruling with an iron fist and he and Sarah have a toxic relationship that she's basically like, he's the Tom Sandoval and she's the Schwartz, just like being an asshole by proxy. And it's a really bad situation Um, that she, you know, claims that she enabled his behavior, that Chris was verbally abusive to the writers and the crew, and that there was a whole actual formal investigation that went down into Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider's behavior. During that time, they were not even allowed on set. The investigation did formally clear them of wrongdoing and allow them to ultimately return. Um, however, it seems like this is actually pretty true. And also like that basically Chris and Sarah are a, basically like the other two that they're 
looking at people who they came up in the entertainment industry with and are feeling some type of way about these people. And it's just like very aggressive, vengeful, weird shit going on. But I guess no longer since the show's over. And that's really a shame. I, (laughs) you guys want to hear something crazy about me? I, when I really like a show, this isn't, I've only done it with two shows so far. When I really like a show, and it's happened with Pen15 and Schitt's Creek, I just have not seen the series finales because I don't want them to be over. And so in my mind, the shows are still on the air. <laughs> it's not pathetic. It is. You don't have to. It is. I, I hear it, and it, it is. Um, but yeah, that's so, so very wild. Um, but something wilder has happened. Wow. Um, where do we even begin talking about Colleen Ballinger, a.k.a. Miranda Sings, and all of the weird things that have been happening? <laughs> Starting really in 2020, but they really escalated over the past, gosh, month or two, maybe the past several weeks. So if you guys don't know, Colleen Ballinger is a YouTuber, one of the top YouTubers was like in the heyday, has a character named Miranda Sings, wears a lot of bright red lipstick, um, makes a lot of like inappropriate jokes about like her uncle and like things are, you know, sort of more for adults, but her audience was overwhelmingly children. And this is where the problem happens, right? So in 2020, there was a guy named Adam who had been working for Colleen in some capacity. This was a guy who was like in the fandom, because you guys know that YouTube fandoms, especially like 10, 6, 8 years ago, were like a very, very intense thing if you're an online person. He was a part of her fandom got her attention and she was somebody who would really like connect quote unquote with her fans. But really it's seeming more like maybe this was uh, the connection or the relationship that she had with her fans was maybe more feeding her ego and, you know, just very one sided and things of that nature. However, Adam gets her attention somehow, some way he's like a teenager at this time to her very much adult She takes him on as a, like, social media intern. She gives him access to her Twitter account, etc. I'm not sure exactly what he said or did, but I guess after several posts, she wasn't happy with his work and ended up kind of, like, icing him out. There was a weird situation in which they were supposed to meet. No, maybe this was somebody else. But he was, like, the main person who came out with these allegations back in 2020. Of her just, like, having inappropriate relationships with her young minor aged fans not anything of well things of a sexual sexual nature but here's a thing that i think maybe needs a little bit of nuance is that there are a lot of claims of her grooming people and i spoke to liz bentley about this and she you know explained it pretty quickly pretty perfectly is that grooming ultimately typically has a goal. There's like a sexual end game to it. However, this does not seem to be what Colleen was doing. It just seemed like Colleen had a lot of inappropriate relationships with people that were much younger than her, like acting as though these people were her friends and her age and just like getting wrapped up into drama, having group chats and talking about things that she probably shouldn't be, definitely shouldn't be talking about with, you know, her fans, especially young fans and and things of that nature. I don't think she ever like was trying to like enter into a sexual relationship with any of these people, but that also doesn't mean that the things that she did were appropriate because they absolutely were not. So like I said, these allegations came out in 2020. Uh, Colleen addressed them in a YouTube video at the time, things kind of fell by the wayside, and then things really picked up, like I said, in the past few weeks. Adam came back with these claims and these allegations, and then the floodgates really opened. There were a lot of people who also had worked for Mer- uh, for Colleen in some capacity. There was a 
I think this was a separate guy who had um, worked on a Miranda Sings tour. He was a young kid that they were, you know, traveling via tour bus. They would get a group of uh, hotel rooms, but not for everybody on that tour bus. Oftentimes he would have to sleep on the bus. Um, there was an, a kid, like, but he would also like get to have shower access in a hotel room. Like, you know, one of the, you know, crew people would give him access or something. Something happened with Colleen also has a best friend who's been working for her for years named Corey. Um, and that he had, this kid had used Corey's hotel room just gonna crash there that night Corey was like I'm actually gonna sleep in the tour bus tonight and the kid was like okay it's a little bit weird but you know not out of the ordinary right the following morning Corey asked to use the hotel room he's waiting he's waiting he's waiting for Corey for like hours and then it becomes this dramatic thing where Corey is now like I feel like you kicked me out of the hotel room I'm uncomfortable and then from then on this teenage boy was revoked access to the hotel rooms and was just told if you need to take a shower or whatever you need to take a shower when we get to the venues and just use the green room showers or whatever but that occasionally Colleen's family who also I mean this is like a whole thing her basically all of her family are youtubers in some capacity uh, her parents not so much her parents but her parents are an active part of her social media she has a brother um and a si- she's got two brothers and a sister i believe they're all on youtube and social media in some capacity like this is a whole thing they're like the kardashians of the youtube right basically There were also claims that Colleen had um, in this group chat that she had with some of her fans asked about like their first sexual experiences, their favorite positions. Um, She had given Adam underwear at some point. I know this sounds like very sexual, but I, I don't think the underwear thing was a sexual thing. Again, it was just like a very inappropriate situation. You'll have to look more into that. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Okay, so like I said, people have come out of the woodwork. There have been people who attended Miranda Singh's show saying that when they were a teenager that they were called on stage to do like weird sexually suggestive things um, and that how it made them uncomfortable and feel embarrassed in front of crowds of people. All of things of that nature. Now, it, these were like weeks and weeks of allegations, mostly done on TikTok, migrated over to Twitter a little bit, and Colleen had not been saying anything. She was on tour. She was like, you know, just like doing her own thing. Until. Until that fateful day. <laughs> and which... Colleen posted a video on her YouTube called Hi. You guys, if you guys have listened to this podcast, you know that I have very, uh, I guess, a low tolerance for secondhand embarrassment. It is something that I really, ooh, it is like, it's like it's making me nervous just thinking about it. If it's something that, like, I know is going to be embarrassing, like a song or something like that, like, I just can't watch it. And so when I'm hearing all these trending topics of Colleen writing a song on a ukulele to address the allegations of grooming and having inappropriate relationships with minors, this grown-ass woman, a 36-year-old woman, gets on YouTube and uploads a video of her singing a song on ukulele addressing these allegations. Not since Heather Morris of Glee did that interpretive dance for George Floyd back in 2020 have I really wanted to crawl out of my skin. But at least with Heather, her intentions were good. This, I don't know what the fuck... (laughs) I don't know what the fuck. And this is why I said you guys should not try and why I don't trust Lin-Manuel Miranda because he has enabled behavior like this where you could just go on and do some bleeding heart Broadway level bullshit and try to get out of like being weird to children 
We're not, I never in the history of ever would I have ever imagined. I mean, I've seen a lot of YouTube apologies. We're breaking up videos. Um, whatever. Like, I'm sorry for saying the N-word at a Machine Gun Kelly concert and, you know, like, rubbing somebody, you know, pushing somebody in the mud. Like, I've seen the whole gamut. Whew, this one really knocked me out of my socks. I, like I said, could not watch it. I could not watch it directly. I've seen several clips. I saw a clip that Liz Bentley posted at the very beginning of the song, I believe, in which she starts... <sighs> the song, I think, is called The Toxic Gossip Trainer. That's at least how we've all decided, come to decide that this is going to be the title of the song. She starts by being like, all aboard? <laughs> Ew! Ew, I want to die. Ew. So I'm watching, the way I was able to watch this video was via a TikTok video of a woman showing her husband the video. So I wasn't watching it. I was watching his reaction to this video. That's the only way I could consume it. And I just, whew, whew. the video that I watched was six minutes long. And at the very end of the video, he says, is this song going on for another five minutes? I can't do this. Y'all, I thought that when y'all were saying that this was a 10 minute video, that you were just like being f like exaggerating 10, a 10 minute song, a 10 minute ukulele song, not apologizing for your behavior. It, anything was giving, like, early season Jack Taylor, like, you're not perfect either, sweetie. Like, basically that, like, yeah, I acted weird, but, like, you know, people are just out to get me. And, you know, what, what about cancel culture? Things of that nature. Like, here come the pitchforks. You know, I'm just minding my own business. Being a little good girl, my tiny bony little back for whatever the reason she body checked herself in this song, not apologizing for her actions. <laughs> 10 minutes, ukulele. I really think I need to hamper those two facts in. The lyrics, if you want to find them, are already up on genius.com. <laughs> the title is high, lowercase high. Lowercase h, lowercase i, period. And in parentheses, toxic gossip trait. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to get to the three first sections of the song and you'll just cringe like I am, okay? I'm gonna start with... <laughs> I can't. Hey, it's been a while since you saw my face. I haven't been doing so great, so I took a little break. A lot of people are saying some things about me that aren't quite true. It doesn't matter if it's true, though, just as long as it's entertaining to you, right? You guys having fun? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All aboard. <laughs> the toxic... <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Hold on. Okay, I'm going to try. Whew. I'm not even going to be able to say those words. Okay. Chugging down the tracks of misinformation. The toxic gossip train. You got a one-way ticket to manipulation station. The toxic gossip train. Tie me to the tracks and harass me for my past. Those rumors look like facts. If you don't mind the gaps, I won't survive in the crash. But hey, at least you're having fun. It's a little, you know, um, a little insensitive to the Ocean Gate uh, people, but fine. Okay, so then she does a spoken... She goes into the spoken thing. This is where, you know, I my Lin-Manuel theory proves true. Um, hi, everyone. I've been wanting to come online to talk to you about a few things. Um, even though my team has strongly advised me to not say what I want to say, I recently realized that they never said that I couldn't sing what I want to say. So here I am, and um, today I only want to talk about facts. So I hope that you'll be willing to listen. Here we go. 
Many years ago, I used to message my fans, uh, but not in a creepy way like a lot of you are trying to suggest. It was more of a loser kind of way, where I was trying to be besties with everybody. and It was kind of like um, when you go to a family gathering, you know? There was a weird aunt who keeps coming up to you and going like, Hey girl, what's the tea? And you're like, eh, um, that was me. But in group chats with my fans, it was weird. <laughs> I'm going to continue. I've been sharing my life online for over 15 years. I, this is, she's singing. I refuse. I poured my out, heart out to you because of that. I, and because of that, I feel like I'm talking to my friends. But in the beginning of my career, I didn't really understand that maybe there should be some boundaries there. There were times in the DMs when I would overshare the details of my life, which is really weird of me. I haven't done that for years, you see, because I changed my behavior and I took accountability. But that's not very interesting, is it? All aboard? <laughs> so then it goes back to the, the toxic gossip train. I, like, you're a grown-ass woman. She, this person, she's got three kids. She's married. And this is, this is her second husband. And this is what is so wild to me is, like, I always think when Bethany is just, like, ranting and raving in, like, a dirty bathrobe with all of her drugstore makeup on it in her bathroom... Does Paul, her fiancé, ever walk in and just be like, what's happening here? And I'm not trying to be misogynistic, but it's just like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a, I don't know, like when you walk in on a man doing anything, everything men do is embarrassing. But um, like, what did Eric, who is uh, Colleen's husband, what did he think when (laughs) when she was like, I got a song for you. Maybe you want to take a quick bathroom break first, because it's going to be... Sit tight. Sit tight. Um, when you got past 45 seconds, and then three minutes, and then five and a half, like, at what point are you wondering, how much longer can this song possibly go? Like, this had to be longer than Stairway to Heaven. Did she run this in front of her parents? Oh, by the way, I mean, this really, (laughs) her dad really caught astray, if you guys don't know this. Um, People started combing through, and I don't know why this man did not get somebody to help him. But you know, much like on Twitter, your likes are public on YouTube if you let the, you know, settings be, right? So people went through his likes of his videos and they found that uh, Mr. Ballinger has quite the uh, proclivity, if you will, for um, inflation, stomach inflation, pregnant women, <laughs> things of that nature. The only reason why I'm laughing, not to kink shame at all, I'm uncomfortable because his daughter-in-law has had like five or six kids at this point. And I just wonder, what's she figured out that, like, was she like, oh, I just can't imagine. (laughs) I would have really, like, snapped back at all the times in my life. Did my father-in-law say anything inappropriate to me when I was pregnant all those times? Did they look at me a little too long? (laughs) What's going on here? So, with that, you guys, like, what... (laughs) What is she going to do now? Because this is so beyond, so embarrassing, so uniquely weird and strange. I, in terms of people lashing out at being canceled, ooh, we really got like a unicorn here. What, what, (laughs) were there people, were there like friends of her texting and being like, I love that video. I thought it was great. I love the song. I love this lyric. I love when you said all aboard. Um, you know, I love the tie-in of, you know, the trains and stuff. Um, you know, like, if my, I'm trying to think, like, if my friend did this, I'd be like, girl, um, I don't... Who? I don't know her. I don't know. Ooh. Ooh. Don't be that. Don't be embarrassing. This is a lesson. Don't be embarrassing. And with that, you guys, we're going to end on, we're going to have a little talk before we before we get into this. I'm going to talk about Vanderpump Rules news because they just started filming last Wednesday. However, this is my promise to you that this will be, 
I'm going to cap it just in case of any emergency to like three times that I'm going to be mentioning any sort of Vanderpump Rules filming while it's filming because I already know what's about to happen is that because of the hype of last season everybody who like got so much engagement and whatever um, off of Vanderpump Rules is now going to take every little sell a film every photo every frame every inch of footage that they could possibly find and it's going to be on everybody's blog and this is no shade to anybody in particular because you know i'm in it too like we're all just doing what we got to do right like we're all just trying to maintain but my thing is what happens is that people get too excited and then they start chronicling every little thing and then once the season starts to air everybody's like this sucks and it's like yeah because you saw everything (laughs) you knew everything that happened you ate up every little crumb and and now this is what you get because you already you already tried to figure out everything that went on into this season so of course you're going to be bored there's not going to be any surprises because everybody's going to be talking about every possible thing that they can do so with that being said I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite talk about what's happening as of now and then we're just going to move on and I'll talk about it again hopefully not until the season starts (laughs) Or we had a trailer or something like that. Um, and that is my promise to you. Because I don't want to, like, bother you guys either, you know? Like, I'm interested. I want to see this stuff, kind of. But, like, I, then it just I like it just got a little bit too much. I'm like, I'm starting to see seven clips of the same thing. And it's, like, not, not for nothing. It's like, these people aren't really doing much. But yet everybody's like, oh my god. And this is this was my fear. This was my fear. But anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> so like I said, they started filming on Wednesday, right? Seems like Katie and Ariana um, were filming, doing stuff for something about her, uh, and things of that nature. There was also filming with, at TomTom, GJ James Kennedy was one of the ones, the twos, Lala, Katie, Ariana, Shorts. Sheena, all the heavy hitters were there, okay? So here's the tea. Um, everybody is signed on for filming, apparently, except for Raquel. Raquel's still in treatment. She's supposed to supposedly come out in like a week and a half, two weeks, or something like that. But I think Raquel maybe didn't realize, and I, I want to be sensitive to mental health issues because I think it's very clear, no shade at all, like that Raquel has a, maybe a couple, right? Um, and here's the thing, though. I think that maybe Raquel didn't anticipate that the network was now going to not want to have somebody fresh out of a treatment center and right into filming because that could be potentially, a, you know, a big liability, right? So I, I'm very curious as to how they're going to handle the Raquel situation. Are they just going to let her do, like, minimum limited filming or whatever but also you know there's the logistics of who the hell is going to film with her right um with that being said sandoval like i said is one of those people crusty is also signed on for the next season however he's not in la or maybe he is i don't know where the fuck he is nor do i care um he is going to be filming Currently, he's currently filming for another reality show, which is Fox's Special Forces, which is a... I don't know if anybody watched the first season, but it featured, like, Jamie Lynn Spears, uh, Kenya Moore, a couple of other people. I didn't watch the show, but it's one of those, you know, like, it seemed pretty intense, like a, you know, coming out of a chopper in a, you know, like, one of those, like things ladders that they throw out of the window and and digging into the mud and getting dirty and sweaty and stuff so i you know okay it didn't seem like i actually now that i think about it he was at a show with spooky joe spooky joe has really come out to play (laughs) lately um but yeah i guess he had a show that she was like bopping around at so i guess he's not filming right now 
I don't really care about him. Now, not even now that I think about it, I, I just don't. So we'll not talk about him. Uh, but then there's also rumors that there are talks to possibly expand the Vanderpump universe, bring in some, like, actual friends and not like that season where they tried to bring in like Brett and Max and whoever the fuck you guys I didn't mention this but I like got into it a little bit with Max the other day but like I don't even want to talk about it was it Max yeah see I always forget them but like I don't even want to talk about it because he's that much of a flop bitch that I don't even care to like waste my time talking about in this podcast so sorry I guess I'll take that back but Anyway, um, so yeah, it looks like they're talking about productions wanting to have both Katie and Lala bring their friends into the show, which, eh, I don't, them? <laughs> Those two? I, does Lala have friends? Like, no no shade, but like, does, does she? I don't, does she? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've heard her say the people that you see on the show are my real friends, so I don't know. I don't know how we're going to be finding any Lala's friends. And um, good luck to Katie. But here's like my thing is that as much as I want season eleven to be like a baddie season, baddies Valley Village, where it's like Ariana is like bobbing to New York and back to you know, be with her man and Katie's dating and Lala's dating and, um, you know, whatever. I also just like, I'm still like easing my way into the Katie train, you know, but maybe we'll find out that like, she actually has friends that are fun. Oh, and then this brings me to uh, Katie's friends who are going to be having a show. Deadline reported, uh, this is our girl of the week goes to Bravo. Frankly, girl of the week going to Bravo for um, announcing or for maybe for deadline. It's not deadline's fault. They're just, you know, the messengers. But allegedly, there is going to be an eight episode series Vanderpump spinoff featuring Jackson, Brittany, and Kristen Doty. Why? Why? Why not just have them back on the show? And, uh, and I don't even want them back on the show, but if we're going to do that, just have them back on the show in some capacity. And then here's Jackson, this very tight face being like, I'm going to come back to the show and I'm going to bring it, bring it like you guys have been asking me. I've been waiting for two years. Like he's talking about this like he was some football player who's just been like <laughs> waiting to get signed again or something. <laughs> but like, I don't, who's asking I know who's asking for this because I see it in a lot of comments. But my thing is, like, think think about it. My thing is just think about it. For the people who are like, yeah, I want Jackson, bring it back. Bring it back, Stassi. Bring it back, Kristen. Why? What do you think they're going to do? Now, Jackson, Brittany, and Stassi are parents. Different lifestyles. They're not out there partying. And great for them does that sound like a show that you want to watch on Bravo? You want to watch Jackson and Brittany parent? Is that what you want? Because none of y'all were watching Jackson and Brittany take Kentucky, were you? And I can say that as somebody who did. None of y'all were with me shooting at the gym. So I should be able to say no more. And I'm saying no more. And again, like if... <laughs> Why would Kristen be on that show with Jackson Brittany? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, why not bring... Like, if we have to bring somebody back, like, just... I guess we'll do Kristen and bring her back onto Vanderpump Rules. If the show is like Jackson Brittany being parents in their life, what is the synergy with Kristen, who is also, like, out here in these streets, or dating or whatever, but, like, she's not married with children. Like, so why... It, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. And, like, what's the show going to be about? What is it going to be about? If you guys aren't going to be playing with the rest of the people, why do I care? I didn't want them back on OG to begin with. And now I'm, like, doubly, like, wh- for what? <laughs> what is this for? <laughs> Who is this for? Y'all could have saved a lot of money and just given me, like, a... I don't know. I don't know. And my my no idea would have been better than this one. And I feel confident about that. Anyway, you guys, let's talk about and just like that. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's a whole brouhaha at school about this MILF list that a kid started. A what? A MILF list? For real? Yes. It's basically MILFgate. <laughs> okay, okay, here we go. Downloading, baby. How did you get it? I will never reveal my sources. You do her like a regular Woodward and Bernstein. For the record, I do think it's wrong that in this day and age, women are still being judged solely <gasps> for the... Here it is. <gasps> We're number two in three. <laughs> okay, guys. We're on episode three of And Just Like That. How are we feeling? I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit comfortable, a little bit familiar. Highs and lows. I will say that. Let's get into the episode. It starts with Carrie just meandering through Bryant Park, happening to run into her Gen Z neighbor, Lizette, the jewelry designer from last season. The one who had like that boyfriend, right? And she's going to be having a jewelry show. Carrie just happens to run into her on her way to... um, record her audiobook for her memoir not the sex in the city this is something a little bit more personal so they're having her record it herself um here's a thing coming from somebody who knows i don't need i don't need the girls in midtown (laughs) i just don't want them there you know i just don't i don't need them to even acknowledge that midtown exists i'm good personally i'm okay but anyway um Seema's Birkin, this is her big storyline, is that her Birkin gets stolen in broad daylight. And she's like, why can't we go back to the good old days of people stealing your purse, throwing it, and then just like, you know, taking your wallet and just like leaving your purse, right? She, this turned her into Tailspin, which I completely get. And I'm not even going to go into like some like Occupy Wall Street ass, you know, this was luxury. We shouldn't be talking about this. I don't really give a shit. And I get it, it has sentimental value, but I also just feel like Seema has like a whole townhouse, which, um, excuse me, not cheap, so, and a driver. So to me, like, okay, you can feel some type of way about it, and I, I guess it is nice to know that rich people do have feelings, but I just feel like, baby... You probably have, like, hella Birkins at this point. Like, I, I, do we really care that much? The stakes aren't really that high for me personally, which is why I'm going to move on. We also have a very special, very special Charlotte's Children's Hour, not featuring the kids at this point. So, you know, hooray for that. Let's celebrate that. However, it does feature her and Lisa at the school, which, you know, might be actually a little bit worse. So... They have a big parent meeting and they find out from the head of the school that some student has created a MILF list and Charlotte and Lisa take off on a mission to go find that list. Carrie goes back to work on her audiobook, right? She has to do chapter three, which is the big chapter. And I mean, capital B, I-G, how she found him in the shower, the all the details in that, right? And it's just, she can't do it. She's finding herself stumbling over the words as I'm doing right now and um you know the emotion of it is just like too much for her to handle um more on that later okay then we have to unfortunately excuse me unfortunately go back to LA with Che and Miranda and I noticed a little something a little detail that because we were basically only on the WB lot um the Warner Brothers lot. I'm sure people would like kill me if I called it the WB lot, but, um, but her show, you guys, is called Che Pasta, and I noticed that the uh, logo art for the show had a little red pepper over the Che. Oh no, 
Now imagine if we were allowed to tweet anymore or look at people's tweets without being punished for it. Imagine if this show happened in real life. Girl, the discourse, the discourse that would have happened, I would have, it would have been such a, such a day, such a day. And I hope, I hope that happens. <laughs> I really actually hope it happens on the show. But yeah, they're in LA and Che and Miranda are going through lines for Che's big emotional scene. They're going to be in the kitchen with Tony Danza, um, crying about their identity being non-binary, etc. Che's clearly very nervous about it. Doesn't really want to like get super emotional. There's a crying scene. They're like, I don't know if I really have to do that. Miranda makes it very clear. Uh, babe, I think you might, but, uh, yeah, they go on and I don't know. Basically, Che is having a crisis of conscience, right? Because they've already put their foot down about several things, like the fact that they don't want a blue stripe in their hair and be dressed like one of the cherry poppin' daddies. And so they feel like, I just can't push it by being like, I don't want to cry and make a sob story out of being non-binary. You know, it's not a tragedy. I wouldn't cry, personally, but I guess I'm just going to have to take the L on this one, right? Miranda, oh, here we go. Goofy ass Miranda. Her storyline begins with her getting an Android and her life going to shit. She can't figure out the phone or whatever. Okay, okay. More on that later, right? My complaint from last week with regard to we need to like intermix the characters a little bit more so their storylines don't feel so separate from everybody else happened. So thank God. And we get a scene with Naya and Lisa. They're doing like an interview thing. And this turns into like, um, I don't know, felt like a little bit of sexual harassment. Not the first time for Lisa, which is concerning. Concerning. I, I'm curious about um, Lisa's, uh, what do you call it? Scruples? if you will, because it starts with, like, Lisa's interviewing Naya, right? They have the sound guy because during the interview, Naya's mic falls, that, like, lavalier mic. And so the guy is, like, cute. By the way, I just feel like we keep getting men, the black men on the show, who are supposed to be these, like, potential love interests. Are all of them, like, I don't feel like any of them are failing, all of them are passing the paper bag test. They're light-skinned. All of them are light-skinned. Can we find, like, a nice chocolate man? Maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but it seems like every dude that we meet is light-skinned, and that's including the women. We're going to have to talk about that, but, you know, baby steps. We just just discovered that people of color exist in New York, <laughs> so I guess we'll have that com- table that conversation for another day. But anyway, they're together. So the sound guy's, like, rustling around in Naya's um, little blouse to try to get this mic. And she's like, oh, why don't you buy me dinner first, right? Ha ha. And the guy actually looks her in her eye and is like, are you serious? Like, can I actually take you up on that offer? <laughs> like, sir, your hand just grazed my Macy's bra. I was joking. Get the tension out. Get the poison out, if you will. Leave me alone. This is not the opportunity, okay? And you were really rustling around in there. And I noticed. We all noticed. And Lisa noticed because Naya turns to Lisa after the fact and she's like, what's good with that guy? I'm, you know, having issues with my light-skinned husband. I don't know where we stand. And Lisa's like, go for it, girl. And I think he's interested because he wasn't um, digging around in the circuit court judge's uh, blouse like the person that we interviewed yesterday. I'm like, well, I don't know if I would find that to be a compliment. We're starting off with your hand awkwardly on my titty and then your boss being like, well, it's a compliment, girl, because he didn't do that to the last woman. Like, it's giving mad men. <laughs> then they have to meet up for lunch with Charlotte and, uh, what was I about to call her, Sarah, Jessica, and Carrie. And Lisa ends up telling Charlotte, I got the milfless, right? Charlotte makes a comment about, for the record, I would just like to say that I do think that this is morally wrong, right? Until they find out that Lisa's number two and Charlotte's number three, and they both start screaming in delight. 
they find out that uh, step number one is like some stepmom, and Charlotte tries to put out like um, real mother rights or something, um, something about how she shouldn't be on the list because she's stepmom. Okay, you know I feel like in Sex in the City world, and I know that like we probably should be. Like, I don't want to be, like, a Star Wars-level nerd about this, you know, like, about things being canon or whatever, but I just feel like this probably would have sent Charlotte, my Charlotte, my Sex in the City Charlotte, into some sort of spiral. And things maybe even would have gotten a touch racist. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I would have wanted to see that, but I'm just saying that would have been more authentic to the character, I think. So like I said, Carrie has to go back to read chapter three because she wasn't kicking it the first time, right? She ends up getting out like even more emotional the second time. So they're like, okay, we're just going to skip it and move on to chapter four. So she gets, uh, gets to walking home, runs into the icon Bitsy Von Muffling. If you guys don't know, in Sex in the City, she married uh, Nathan Lane, who was seemingly... People had questions about his sex, sexuality on the show, but, like, Bitsy's like, whatever. I think, all in all, there ended up being, like, well, we're, we love each other. We don't really have to get into it, okay? So, um, then we find out, like, Nathan Lane's character is fast, but I think we knew that. I think, I think maybe he's been dead for a while. But anyway, um, Bitsy, Bitsy says that she has a $100,000 facelift on her face. And seems like, like, did we have a hundred thousand and thirty-two dollars to spend on this outfit, the whole, the whole complete look? Because I don't even know, like, was that a wig? It's not great when I'm looking at a white woman's hair and I'm like, I don't know if that's a wig or not. I think that might actually be your hair. Hmm. Okay. Um. But then. The outfit was giving Maxinista. It was go back and look at it. It almost was like giving like Leg Avenue, like straight out the pack Halloween costume. Um, it had one side was a short sleeve, like a half sleeve, and then the other side was sleeveless. And it had a lot. There, it was busy, as a woman would say, it was busy. Anyway, Carrie tells Bitsy about the outfit and how embarrassing it was. The outfit. <laughs> I keep thinking about it. About the audiobook and how embarrassing it was <laughs> to not be able to finish chapter three, right? And how, like, good she's been, like, in mourning that first year. Like, I've been so good at this whole I'm a widow thing, right? And so Bitsy's like, here's the thing. Dirty little secret nobody tells you is that the second year is actually worse than the first one because all the time is passing, things are happening, he's not there. Whether it's good or bad, he's missing all of it. And so you feel like further away from him and it's just awful. And then she passes on something that she learned in Kabbalah, which is that the hole never fills, but beautiful things come up around it. And you know, we can take that a lot of ways, but I'm going to take it in the philosophical way, dirty. I know what you expected, and I'm not going to do that. Okay? Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I actually thought that was, like, a really beautiful quote, and I might put it in my journal for later. Cut to Carrie kicking in the door of her apartment because she just bought a bunch of shoes because Bitsy was like, girl, just do what you got to do to feel, feel better, okay? Find the beautiful things. For me, it was this facelift. Probably not going to be for you. So here we go. She... Carrie kicking down her studio with a bunch of shoes that she got from Bergdorf. And she tries on these pink heels. And then she opens up her book to chapter three to just take a spin at possibly reading um, the words. And she reads, as I lifted his lifeless body into my arms and was like, nope, can't do it. I'm going to pass on that. The shoes didn't help. Then she ends up calling Gary, who was the production guy, the producer for this audiobook, And is like, Oh, I'm sick. I got COVID. Find somebody else to do it. Bye. Back in LA, Miranda goes over to the T-Mobile to fix her cell phone, right? 
right next door is a tattoo shop. So she tells us like, ooh, Miranda keeps having these scenes with these hot men, and I appreciate that. But she tells this hot tattoo artist that she just felt the need to commemorate this moment of her living in L.A. and to remind herself to never go back to who she was. And this dude's like, you know, dropping a lot of science on her. And I liked it. And I was listening. Anyway, Miranda then calls Carrie to talk about, oh, I just thought about getting a tattoo. I'm thinking about getting it still. And Carrie's like, girl... You need to come back to New York. Like, cut the bullshit. But Miranda's like, no, no, no. Like, it's fun out here. Like, I have this whole pretend life. I don't have to live in the real world. It's great. I'm having a great time. And then Carrie ends up lying to Miranda about having COVID, right? And Miranda's like, oh, my God, so concerned. I'm going to go get this tattoo. Bye, girl. Two seconds later, Charlotte calls. And then she's like, I'm going to send over some basmati rice and some caramels. And Carrie goes into a whole shame spiral about having to lie to her two oldest friends. And then she continues to lie to Seema and Anthony and when they were about to go to lunch. So she's like, you know, I'm just going to have a burger and do Wordle in my apartment because that's normal. That That's something that Carrie would do. But, like, in my mind, again, not to, like, be a historian, Carrie, my Carrie, would have gone to lunch with them, run into Charlotte... And then that would have been a whole thing between them, right? But her editor calls to say, oh, hey, heard you're feeling bad. Great news. We got the audio deadline pushed back for you so you can come and record later. And she's like, God damn it. Why didn't you find Julianne Huff or somebody else to do it? Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So Charlotte... And Lisa go back to the school and they're all talking about how like they're talking with a bunch of moms like out by the principal's office because they're about to have a whole parent meeting right and one of the teacher one of the student one of the mothers rather one of the students mothers says to them oh the kid who wrote the list is in with the principal right now and they're all like start cracking jokes about how Oh, it's like Milo H. Oh, he's that little nerdy kid. Oh, that's so funny. Ha ha ha. And then he walks out of the principal's office and they do some sort of slow motion. Okay, first of all, the kid's not hot. Second of all, this is a kid. Why am I supposed to think he's hot? I don't even think that we got clarification of him like being a senior and possibly being 18. It was just like all the girls were staring at him. Like, this was, like, pretty in pink or something. What? <laughs> it was pretty unreal for 2023. One of the moms actually says, his name is Milo H. H for hot. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> then they have that parent meeting, right? And the principal says... You know, we've decided what the punishment will be for the student. And part of that is going to be that this situation is going to be on his record during his college application process. Charlotte literally and figuratively stands up for this child like, I feel like this is a really harsh punishment. Haven't we? Can't we like rethink things, right? The other moms in the audience are like, yeah, girl, whatever. You're just saying that because you two are number two and three on the list. We, the jig is up. We know what's happening here. And then those ladies think that they're all good to go. 
But then the principal's like, we found out that um, some of the mothers were just subjectifying the student in the hallway, so then all of them have to shut up. <laughs> Again, what are we doing here? Speaking of what the hell are we doing here, we see Miranda in the line for Chepasa. And on this, because she hasn't, like, you know, her phone's been all fucked up this whole time. First of all, I feel like if she was Che's partner, why are you waiting in line in the WB lot, the Warner Brothers lot? No, thank you. But anyway, in line, she finally gets a hold of Brady because Brady's been on this Euro, Euro trip with his girlfriend. And he's balling, balling out of control. And I mean, like, crying, not having a good time. And the girl broke up with him, left. He's in Italy, wishing that he would get run over by a car. And Miranda's, like, super, super concerned, right? And so, <laughs> by the way... I, I would have to say that this part really made me laugh is because last week we found out that um, Tony Danza, who's been going to be playing Che's father on their show, is um, their stand name. That Tony Danza's stand fans' names are Danza Lions, and so somebody, <laughs> there are two ladies in the back of the line wearing Danza Lions T-shirts with a dandelion with like a teenage Tony Danza in the middle. Please, I want that shirt. So anyway, as Miranda's inching closer and closer to the front of the line, she hears a security guard saying, oh, we're taking your phones, right? And so Miranda ends up putting her phone down her pants, lying to that poor black security guard lady and saying, I just lost my phone and I feel so much freer because of it. Just happened. Lost my phone at the beach, so I haven't gotten a replacement yet. And that security guard looked in her eyes and said, I trust you because I don't know if a lot of you guys know this, but black people and gingers, there's an alliance there typically. And so, you know, like we see each other, we help each other. And that was a really big betrayal, a really big betrayal on Miranda's part. But anyway, completely predictably during Che and Tony Danza's big emotional moment, Brady calls or accidentally it seems like maybe Miranda's labia accidentally Skyped Brady that was a Skype noise but then Brady's face pops up and is like why are you FaceTiming me so I don't really know what's happening everybody's confused Chase livid it's a whole thing the showrunner ended up losing their shit on Miranda like I hope you're happy lady Jay's never going to be able to get back there emotionally because they're not an actor. They're a stand-up. Okay, calm down. Tony Danza ends up being just an absolute dream, which is why they have why he has Danza Lions. Um, gets everything back together. Miranda runs out in shame and ends up calling Charlotte to be like, am I being a good mother by running my ass back to New York tomorrow, tonight rather, to meet Brady? And Charlotte's like, eh, I mean, it's probably going to be a phase, but nah, no, you should definitely come home. Do that. <laughs> so then Seema goes over to Carrie's, right? And Carrie tries to lie about having COVID. But when, they, when she opens up the door, this is like all I needed to know about Carrie Bradshaw's COVID behavior. All she has, the only mask that she has on hand is like a oy vey mask. And it just is giving like what people got in the first wave of the pandemic when people were just giving like promotional masks to everybody right and Seema's looking at her and Carrie has to look back and Seema looks back at her and she's like okay girl I don't have COVID and Seema's like yeah good and of course Carrie Bradshaw would be one of those people who was like real loosey-goosey about the COVID rules and yet never got COVID as we find out, because everybody, when she tells them, they're like, oh my God, how is it possible that this is the first time you've gotten COVID? Of course, she's one of those people. Of course. Not, not, not saying that like Carrie's anti-mask or anti-vax. I'm just saying she probably was like, oh, you know, like life is for the living, you know, and just was like, just loosey-goosey with the rules and just, you know, still didn't get it, right? Carrie tells Seema that she feels really bad about lying, especially to Charlotte and Miranda, because they've been for, there for her so much already, and she just can't put them through any more with regard to um, 
you know, big, right? In the passing, which again, very not Carrie behavior. Because remember the first time she broke up with Big and everybody was like, babe, seek help, please. Because we can't take it anymore. Seema tells her, I may not have been there for round one, but I'm here now. I got you, girl. But also, you don't need to feel sorry for yourself. Something horrible happened to you, ma'am. And if you need to take to a bed, feel free. They end up going to the jewelry party and they're in these like plastic igloos, right? It's popping. People are there. It's like wall to wall, right? Seema peeps at one of the cater waiters is like taking the pieces because they're all in these display, like on these like trees, right? These jewelry trees. And Carrie, Carrie, who's been living in New York for how many decades at this point? Seema goes, why is it cater waiter taking the jewelry? And she goes, I don't know. Maybe he's moving it. Bitch, get out of here. <laughs> Seema has to be like moving it into his pockets, Carrie. Like what's happening? This scene was so annoying. None of it made any logical sense. The way that this robber was about the laziest robber in the whole world. Like, he knew I got all the time to just dilly-dally, put these lazily in my pocket, and then I'm going to roll over to Carrie and Seema and be like, Hey, lady, let me take your Carrie gold-plated necklace and something of Seema's. And Carrie's like, oh my god. But this necklace means so much. Like the whole montage of how this she has this emotional connection to the necklace. Now mind you, if I were a thief, I would have been gone. But they're like having a whole back and forth conversation negotiating <laughs> over this damn necklace. Renesmee or whatever her name is, Lizette, notices that the thief is taking shit asking where the security people are. I mean, you hear how long this is taking me to explain all of this. And then Carrie, they're like, let's find something to do. And Carrie just yells, I have COVID. And all the guests get to running, which doesn't help anything. The thief is still here, staring at Carrie, wondering when she's going to give that necklace to him. Finally, only at this point, Seema pulls out a prop gun that's actually a lighter. But he doesn't know that. And is like, um, it's a stick up, buddy. Leave us alone. And finally he's like, oh shit, maybe I should leave. <laughs> it was like two minutes. It was unbelievable. No sense of urgency whatsoever. Goodness gracious. So then Miranda gets back to the set after talking to Charlotte, right? To like try to talk to Che and explain what's going on with Brady. I feel like he sounds suicidal. I was scared. I've never heard him cry like that. But Chase screams, You ruined my family scene! <laughs> it was a little family van. <laughs> Truly the same energy. So then, Miranda's like, Che, I'm going back to New York. And Chase's like, Okay, calm down. It, this is a kid. It's just a breakup. Like, it's not really that serious, right? But Miranda says, It's my kid. And that's the most important thing to me. You wouldn't know what that feels like. And then Chase stares back at Miranda and goes, well, I guess we're even. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'm speaking as a childless woman. But I would say that Miranda's child, who is in distress, is probably more important than this show that you don't even feel like you have control over or like. So, sorry, Che. They end up, like, trying to leave things on a good note. Che goes back into the studio. And then we see Miranda back in Brooklyn waiting for Brady. And while she's waiting, she, like, we look, she looks down at her wrist and reveals her tattoo that she got, which were her own initials on her wrist, MH. <laughs> because I forgot to say, hot uh, tattoo artist said, basically she was like I don't want to forget who I am or something like that so now here's a reminder of her own initials um now here's where we get even more ridiculous because Seema goes home now this is like how many days after she's left her purse right Seema goes home she's in her car with her driver there's too much traffic and so she's like you know what I'll just walk home it's right around the corner she runs into a dog 
leans down to say hello to the dog, looks over this small bush in front of an apartment building, and sees her $30,000 Birkin. Her $30,000 goldish orangey Birkin under a very small green bush. We're supposed to believe that it stayed under that bush for however many days with nobody noticing whatsoever a fucking Birkin <laughs> under a bush. Okay. But congrats, girl. I'm glad you got your bag back. So then Carrie decides to go into mourning because she told Seema, I'm not the type to stay in bed, girl. But she goes in to help Lizette and is like, I have some chocolates here. We're going to like sit in the bed and like mourn or whatever. So that's that was her big emotional moment. And then Carrie goes out to dinner with Seema and they're like celebrating. They're at one of those restaurants that has like a communal table and they end up at the other side of the table running into a bunch of Australians. You guys already know how I feel about Australian men. You have your fun. Send them back. Okay. But they end up talking to these dudes and then Carrie says, and just like that, I got COVID. <laughs> okay. I'm having so much fun, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for speaking.